on this day in 1953. Cindy Lauper, one and only, born in Brooklyn, New York City. Her 1983 album, She's So Unusual, was the first debut album by a female artist to achieve four top five hits on the Billboard Hot 100. Girls Just Want to Have Fun, Time After Time, all through the night, and this one, She Bop. Lorpa was described by music journalist Lindsay Planer as an iconoclast vocalist who revolutionised the whole role of women in rock and roll, influencing Katy Perry, Lady Gaga, Tegan and Sarah and Yell. Cindy Lauper has her own foundation called The True Colours Resident, which helps LGBT homeless youth in New York City. Really, there's one, there's there's only one Cindy Lauper, isn't there, Heather Roy? I mean, she's just yeah. unique, isn't she? Yeah, she is very unique. Yeah, mm-hmm. lovely. Well, it's uh, nice to have that image. She bought. Have you heard of that song, Gary? Not at all. No. The other, the but the thing that I I always love listening to those that start a trend. Yes, they're the interesting ones because yes. they actually have to really fight for it. And there's often, you know, it doesn't matter That's what right. area, but in, in music or anywhere, the ones that actually carve the path are often the really interesting people. Mm, nice thought, Gary. Kia ora. 25 to 5, the panel. Uh, look, uh, uh, huge feedback regarding ACC. Just a couple here uh, before we move on to the next story. My daughter dislocated her collarbone off the head of her sternum at 11 years of age. Now 21, very rare injury. ACC, ACC tried their hardest to disprove it after huge struggles. Um, we hired a lawyer, we won. Thanks to ACC, my daughter's injury was probably made worse. Great when you're in the system, which she is now. Mental trauma exacerbated, exacerbated because of so many different physicians and doctors. Otherwise, it was a pretty soul-destroying experience. And another one here, when I was 65, when I was a 65-year-old woman, I was hit by a van at 50 k's on a pedestrian crossing. Today, I am a fully functioning 74-year-old thanks to the astonishing treatment by our health system and ACC. I couldn't fault either of them. I'm full of gratitude, says Caroline. Thank you very much for your thoughts, your feedback this afternoon. I feel uh, the same. In what I've, way? I've, every, well, I, I've injured myself a number of times. As I get older, it seems to... Um, happened slightly more frequently and uh, I've I've found ACC to be absolutely amazing to deal with that's why I was so you've had yeah you've had very good experience yeah very good experience but one of the things that that last woman or the second to last one where they had to actually get a lawyer to fight it that really worries me and I think that's what you were sort of heading around to Heather Mm. that that the yes uh, where, where somebody's wealthy enough to actually challenge them and they back down you often wonder how much money does ACC waste fighting needless cases that's one one thing I do wonder. New Zealand weightlifter Laurel Hubbard will become the first ever transgender athlete to compete at the Olympics joining a five strong weightlifting team heading to Tokyo she has met the International Weightlifting Federation's eligibility eligibility criteria including those based on the International Olympic Committee's guidelines for transgender athletes in a statement today Hubbard said she's grateful and humbled by the kindness and support that is given to her by so many New Zealanders. For this, I'm joined, more on this, I'm joined by Stuff Senior Sports Journalist Zoe George. Kia ora, Zoe. Kia ora, Wallace. Always lovely to be on the panel. <laughs> oh, it's always good to have you on. Now, tell us, <laughs> just how significant is this, the first transgender athlete to compete at the Olympics? 
It is very significant uh, and hopefully something that we can look back on as New Zealanders with, with prize. You know, um, access to sport is a basic human right, according to the International Olympic Committee. And as you said, Laurel has actually met all the requirements to participate in the Olympics as a woman. And I wish her and the entire weightlifting team all the best. I will be cheering very loudly <laughs> for them all. Now, in a statement today, the New Zealand Olympic Committee acknowledged that gender identity in sport is, quote, a highly sensitive, complex issue requiring a balance between human rights and fairness on the field of play. Needless to say, Zoe, it's a very complex issue. You've written about it. There will be those who aren't as welcoming of the decision as others. Yeah, it is an incredibly complex um, topic. And yeah, as you're right, I've been writing about this for, gosh, years and years now. Um, You know, I think as well, though, we we need to approach this in a really educated and open-minded way. And and just because we don't understand one side of it um, doesn't mean that we can't explore that side. Now, in New Zealand, we're really lucky. We're world leaders in some of this research into um, transgender participation in sport. Um, Physiologists, psychologists, sociologists, we've got world leaders in all these aspects. Uh, And so I think, um, you know, you might be able to form an opinion on this, but it would be great to be open-minded and to support our athletes regardless of who they are because they all deserve success and they all deserve to participate. All right. We have a panel with us, of course, um, Heather Roy. Do you want to jump in? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure the IOC has turned themselves inside out trying to get um, that fairness that you talked about, Wallace, the balance between human rights and fairness for athletes. And, um, you know, they've landed where they have. People either um, meet the criteria or they don't. And, look, I think for many this is probably something of a Rosa Parks moment. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. It's really interesting looking at the way that we're going to react to it as a country and the way that the world's going to react to it. But in many places around the world, they're starting to look at banned transgender athletes and women and girls sports. So more than 30 states in the United States are either working towards or have already enacted laws that prevent transgender women from participating in girls' and women's college-level and school-level sports. But what I find incredibly fascinating about this is that many of the legislators and lawmakers who are voting for that are standing up and going, we are doing this for women's rights, and yet they're the same legislators and lawmakers who vote against women's reproductive rights. Mm. So I find it all very interesting. Mm. (laughs) All right, Gary Moore, what do you think? Oh, the transgender issue is a complete non-issue as far as I'm concerned. Look, I, I think Heather said it right. They've, they, they have criteria with the IOC. They, they've tested it all. Um, uh, uh, Laurel's passed all those tests. Yes, this is a Rosa Park um, moment. <laughs> Well, that's a very interesting, that's a pretty significant thing for our, uh, you know, for, for panellists to be saying, I guess. It's, it's a Rosa Parks moment. Can I just th- th- can I just bring up, I mean, uh, one Anna Van Bellingham, uh, and, and there has been sentiments on RNZ's news in, in, in the last hour or so just saying, look, um, uh, we, we're not quite sure that it's fair. Van Bellingham says anyone that has trained weightlifting at a high level knows this to be true in their bones. This particular situation is unfair to the sport and to the athletes. I'm just bringing it up uh, mm. because I know that uh, those voices will be there as well. Mm. What, would you say, what would you say to that? 
Absolutely. I mean, I think that we need to have a really open and honest and educated discussion. And what is really fascinating is that certain groups will use certain bits of research to back up what they're saying. So you've got one who is, one group who's saying that transgender women have a bio- biological advantage and another group saying that they don't. Now, we don't actually know because the research is really unsettled in this space. Um, you know, when you, oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's, it's, um, there are certain research to say that yes, they do have an advantage and other research to say no. And this is why I say if you're interested in this subject, before you form an opinion, go and do some reading, particularly from New Zealand academics. We're world leaders in this area. Okay. Um, and that way you can form an informed opinion on this. Yeah. <laughs> but Sport New, Zealand, <laughs> Sport New Zealand are working through the transgender guidelines at the moment, uh, and they say that research is unsettled. There's a lot more work to be done. New Zealand rugby are currently going through the same process. Transgender women will be allowed to play rugby next season. Not too sure where that's going to be, whether that's with women or men, but they, there will be a space for them, and there should always be a space for trans people, for any person who wants to play sport. Let me ask you this on a final note, Zoe. Um, what implications does Laurel selection have for the wider issue of trans participation in sports? Oh, I think this is historic. Um, transgender people are incredibly marginalised already in our society. And research out of the University of Waikato found about 50% of our transgender and gender non-binary population actively avoid sport and recreation and public changing rooms and toilets because of discrimination. They have lower health outcomes than all of us. They have lower mental health outcomes. They're more likely to be victims of serious crimes. So if we can open a space for them and show them that they are accepted in sport, that they're safe in sport, then that's going to help them. All right. Okay, Zoe, George, kia ora. Uh, Lovely to have you on the panel. Uh, Thank you. Uh, 17 to 5, uh, needless to say, a large response uh, to that and appreciate your thoughts there. Uh, Heather Roy and Gary Moore with me uh, this afternoon. Now, Winston Peters is back and has used New Zealand First's AGM, the annual general meeting, to aim at various issues like the use of the word Aotearoa instead of New Zealand, the Auckland Cycle Bridge and the vaccine rollout and Ngati Woke. We have been the voice of the hundreds of thousands of forgotten New Zealanders when no other party would stand up for them against the system, he said in his speech. Peters maintained, quote, growing in our country as a cancel culture where anyone who asks legitimate questions is belittled as a colonialist, a racist, a bigot, a chauvinist, or worse still, not new wokeage. Let's take a listen to a snippet of his speech. And we do not intend to put the name New Zealand on the endangered species list. They now are whacking tradies and farmers with a fee to make it cheaper for Ngati Woke to buy an electric car. They say, so why did you not go with National in 2017? Have a look at the mess they're in. The city of sales has become the city of snails. Growing in our country, you know, today is a cancelled culture where anyone who asks a legitimate question is belittled as a colonialist, a racist, a bigot, a chauvinist, or worse still, not new, woke age. All right, so uh, Winston Peters coming out of the block strong there. Heather Roy, uh, a comeback. <laughs> are what are we, you laughing at? Are we really surprised by what Winston said in his speech? <laughs> well, really? Must... You know, look, he's speaking to an audience. He says those things. Some of them I don't think he believes. But there is a strong... Cynical. Co- so cynical. <laughs> 
Oh, I sat beside him for a number of years in Parliament. <laughs> Look, there's a strong Conservative voting bloc in New Zealand, and he's speaking to them. And of course those people should be represented in a democracy, but whether that's through New Zealand First or through the New Conservatives or a faith-based party, that's for the voters to decide. So he's doing his thing. You can never, ever rule Winston out. Um, you know, yeah. we've got Barnaby Joyce back in Australia, for, for goodness sake. So, you know, Winston's done this before. He's been out and he's come back. You can never write him off, but he's speaking to an audience. OK, what do you think, Gary? I mean, there was a perception that New Zealand First last round did spend their time, you know, stymieing policies rather than putting new policies on the table. Um, but do you think, I mean, he sounds that he's still got a little life in him there. Winston Peters, for another round, do you think he can do it? Oh, yes. Uh, I was just thinking when I heard him in the weekend, um, that old Paul Keating line that a blancmange doesn't rise twice. Uh, but maybe <laughs> this blancmange did. <laughs> um, look, I, th- I think the great thing about democracy is that, in fact, um, he's got an opportunity. And, you know, I, there's lots of things that he annoys the hell out of me over, but it's great to have the debate. And, and you know, when we are talking in the last point about uh, America, in America, you know, with the transgender and all that, you think how the one, what should be one of the great democracies of the world, how they shut down this sort of debate, how they won't let, you know, they're trying to stop people voting. And and uh, I, I just, no, I think it's good. Um, I, I, all right. Yeah, bring it on. Bring it on. Good on you. It's democracy in action, Heather. It is. It is democracy in action. And look, I I think we've talked a bit about electoral reform. Um, The government's indicated that it probably will do something in that space. And I think that real democracy actually is every vote counting. So uh, I actually would much rather have had a system where Winston Peters 2.6% from the last election was represented in Parliament as 2.6% of the number of MPs there than having people like him on the sidelines, to be honest. And that's STV. Yes. Well, it looks much more like STV. You could do it with MMP, but just get rid of the threshold. Yes, I I agree. Mm. I agree. But the other thing, too, is that that Peter's has got um, that's a part of New Zealand, you know. That's and look, the, uh, any mate of mine that I've known in cabinet with him has said he's a bloody good team player. And right. and you know when they get a, you know what he says in public and how how he behaves uh, at the cabinet table is quite different. I suspect. I yeah. think yeah. He's and some good of the things he says are important. He was yes. spot on in his speech when he talked about uh, New Zealand's poor economic growth over a n- number of years and our poor productivity. Those are actually core right. things that our economy does need to focus on. Correct. Twelve to five. The panel: Gary Moore, Heather Roy, with me. Really large response to uh, ACC. Your experiences of it. Email me if you like. The panel at RN. Z.co.nz uh, because we've been pretty inundated on, uh, on the text and I can have more time to read them maybe tomorrow morning. Here's one though. Uh, much to the amazement of the work doctor and the treating therapist, ACC declined my claim for a workplace injury because I can't get that injury in my occupation. Go figure. I am a woman over 60. Perhaps this is why. So I really appreciate all your thoughts uh, this afternoon on that issue. Now, This is fantastic. Rasheen Woods is looking to make history.
by becoming the first woman to win the Young Farmer of the Year competition. Rasheen comes from an urban background originally but works in the agricultural sector in Ototahi. After competing at the district and regional contests, Rasheen is one of seven finalists from around the country who will compete for the national title in July. Rasheen is with us now. Kia ora, Rasheen. Kia ora, how are you going? I'm very well. So you're looking to make history. I think this could be what the first. Well, it, it would be the first woman in Young Farm of the Year history. Um, if if I win it, it would yeah. be yes. <laughs> what drew you towards working in the agricultural sector? Uh, I guess for me, it sort of goes back to high school. Uh, I really enjoyed science at school and. We were really lucky to have a visit from a person from Dairy NZ and Lincoln University come and talk around our science classes, just talking about all the opportunities in the agriculture sector, um, that there were careers, I guess, that weren't on-farm in that sort of supporting industry. So what sparked my interest was uh, talking about research on farms and environmental research and things like that. And so mm. for all of a sudden, for me, it just made that connection between what I loved doing at school, the science subjects, to um, one of our, of course, major sectors uh, here in New Zealand, which is agriculture. And all the more interesting because you were, uh, I'm reading here, a self-described urbanite, so you made the transition seamlessly from, what, um, drinking uh, trim lattes to, um, <laughs> to, to, to hey, what you're doing. Hey, we don't all do that. <laughs> I've never really been into coffee, to be honest. <laughs> so uh, well, we've got a panel here too, actually, and they'll want a question here, but tell me, um, what made you decide to enter the Young Farmer of the Year competition? Yeah, so I joined the Young Farmers Club, the Christchurch City Young Farmers Club, quite early on in my studies whilst I was at Lincoln University and was really encouraged by some members that were in my club at the time to give the Young Farmer of the Year contest a go. I was sort of thinking, you know, I'm from an urban background, what do I know uh, about <laughs> the sort of activities mm. that we'd have to do as a contest? But, you know, they said to me, it's all good. Um, if you don't know how to do something, just ask the person who's running the activity and use it as a learning experience. Get them to show you show you what to do. And that's kind of what I've done ever since. Uh, I've entered the contest as a learning experience. And uh, this was actually my student's time entering at the district level, which is the level anybody can enter at. And, um, yeah, ended up where I am today. Good so on you, I'm yeah. Entering yeah, this time I was also entering just as a learning experience. So, Heather? <laughs> look where it's got me. I think that's great. I'm not sure which is more impressive, Rasheen, that you're on track to become the first woman to win the contest or the first townie. And the double whammy <laughs> is just delightful, really. Um, I see that the um, Young Farmer of the Year, uh, they're sponsored by FMG, and they have a People's Choice Award. So um, good luck with that, too. And if people want to vote, they can go to the website and do that. All right. Gary? Yes, it's on the FMG website. Yeah, so good luck FMG's for that, too. Been- yeah, they're great supporters of the contest, honestly. Yeah. Um, as a contestant, they've been amazing. Gary, you've got a question? Well, I'd, I'd, just, I'd like to congratulate you too. And I think the really interesting thing is that we need to apply science to how we do our, our agricultural um, um, area. And um, I'm involved with a little group called the Tuesday Club, and we're trying to bring town and country together to talk about water. And we had Mel Brooks from MVH Irrigation uh, with us last week. And her application of science and her commitment to the environment was just wonderful. And so I, 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 I think this is 
the way we have to go. And uh, one of the interesting things that uh, Mel said to us is that young farmers coming on, like Rasheen's age group, don't have the debates about whether it's a good or a bad thing. Let's embrace science, they say. And I just think, good on you. Well, hey, Rasheen, all the very best uh, for the Young Farmer of the Year. Thank you very much. I just hope that me being involved in it this year um, inspires others to get involved in the agricultural sector and um, give the Young Farmer of the Year contest to go. And yeah. the other thing too is go Otatahi. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, yes, well, all the very best. We'll, uh, we'll try and um, uh, get in touch with you once the uh, once it all happens, eh? Sounds great. Thank you very much. Seven to five, the panel RNZ National. That's Rasheen Woods. They're looking to make history by becoming the first woman to win the Young Farmer of the Year competition. Finally to our weekly panel Monday business segment. This, we've, done the, we've done this uh, for about a year now, fo- focusing on New Zealand-made, designed and owned small and medium businesses coming out of Aotearoa. Would you buy a new board game that is personalised to suit your family? For this week's small business segment, we're looking at the game that aims to help family members across generations to share stories from their personal history. Now, the game was dreamed up by the two brothers who are the founders of Zorb, you know those balls, those large balls that run down the um, down the down the path, and I think it's Rotorua. They've kickstart. They've they've started a Kickstarter to fund the project. With us more to tell us more is David Akers. David Kiora. Oh, Kiora, welcome. Good afternoon, panel. Hello. Hi. Lovely to have you on. I wasn't sort of um, laughing there because of the was wonderful uh, idea. I was just thinking, gosh, a, a Chapman family. Um, board game, there'd be a few things to sort of uh, have to iron out there before we play it with the whanau. Um <laughs> tell, yep. tell us about the game, how it works. Yeah, well, the, the idea is that um, yeah, different families going to have different questions, obviously, and some I of bet. them might need to be heavily edited before the, you know, the final, <laughs> final but, but I was talking to a family just the other day who said, our family doesn't actually get on great, but this might be a way of bringing them together, which uh, is quite, quite a challenge, so that'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, Basically, what we've done is, is created a, a board game which is just personalised, just for your family. Um, basically, you go onto, go onto our app and you enter in your family name and a couple of photos and a whole bunch of questions and answers, which uh, you know around a, a different categories that we've got, like ancient history and, and quotes and fashion disasters or crimes and misdemeanors or you know pretty much anything. Um, and then we end up producing a board game that is shipped to your door and the wow. Kind of Probably only your family would play. I suppose. Okay, so it could be. Here's an example. It goes. Okay, you're you're you're, you're having a mulled wine. You're in you're in Otatahi there. Uh, it's cold outside. You've got the family around, and the question is to Gary, which one of the first four ships did the Moore family come out on? Well, none of them because they were Irish and they landed in Hokitika. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Trick question. Trick question. It's a trick question. Um, Gary, do you have a question for David? Uh, no, I just look. I, I I saw this and I watched the video of it, and it was yeah. just wonderful. And I was just thinking, my um, most of my ancestry is Irish, and the Irish have got a number of uh, of trades. Uh, one is fighting, and another yeah. is changing history, and so that could be really. Well, my family's anything to go by. The history got 
Quite transformed. Rich. Yeah. All right. <laughs> but no, I, I think it's great. Oh, yeah, I think idea. I think it's great too. Um, I'm from a hardcore board game family, and mm. um, I think you know we're getting a bit sick of Settlers of Catan. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it causes a lot of angst. But I did think when I was reading through the information, David, that this might be better for functional families than for others. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, quite, quite. Or you could dig up some old bones here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, you well, could. Well, no, that's the, that might be the problem. Yeah. Some of them you might not even know the answer, you know. It's a, it's yes. a big question mark. Well, who, who did roll that spot by? You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. David, I'm actually just thinking, just picking up on that point, uh, it was said in jest, but actually on, on, a, on a kind of more serious note, it could be a way to get the photo around. It mm. could be a Christmas afternoon where, you know, it is family time and you want to find out. One thing about me is I don't know a lot about the Chapman family. It could extend knowledge within your own family. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. We we found that, you know, part of the app is the idea is you ask other family members to contribute their questions. Okay. And it's really cool to have some of the older family members who put in some questions and answers about their youth that, that nobody really knew. And it really makes yeah. the younger ones go, oh, look, Granddad used to go around driving around the streets of Papakura shooting out streetlights with a shotgun. We never knew that. <laughs> and it, it really brings some of those things to life. Well, one of the things that I was thinking is is this is a way of teaching younger members of the family, the family whakapapa. Yeah. And yes. if you think about going on to Marae and you hear the whakapapa of, of different orators, we could do this through this game. It's, it's, it's very clever. I love it. Yeah, it's definitely keeping that family history alive and also, you know, and it continues on. You get a new member of the family, you've got some new questions. Right? David, <laughs> good luck with the game. Meanwhile, a bit of traffic news for you. There's an even a two-card collision at London Street. CBD closed, so do take care indeed and there. Gary Moore, Heather Roy, thank you for your time. Thank you. Leaving you with a bit of Cindy Lauper. Here we are.